This episode is brought to you by DeSanto Propane. DeSanto has been serving the energy needs of upstate New York since 1937. They're a fourth-generation family-owned business that has prioritized dependability, reliability, and integrity. If you have energy needs, call DeSanto and tell them we sent you. Visit DeSantoPropane.com to learn more. And by the Fox family of dealerships on Route 5 in Auburn. Check out their vast inventory of new and used cars by visiting FoxDealerships.com. Welcome to episode 219 of the Inside the FLX podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I'm Josh Durso, and today we are getting back into the race for the 131st District. Assemblyman Brian Kolb will retire at the end of this year, and in his place, several Republicans have stepped forward. Uh, the first of those to step forward was Manchester Town Supervisor Jeff Galhan, who joins me in studio now. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the invitation. So, uh, first things first. Why run? Why? Uh, what was the inspiration here? Well, uh, we have to date this back to uh, when Assemblyman Kolb uh, decided that he was going to run for governor. Uh, he approached me at a function and uh, asked me if I would be interested in filling his shoes in 131st. Um, I was I was really excited about hearing that, about that that uh, he would be confident enough to ask me that. To, there's big shoes to fill. Brian was a, a, a wonderful and it still is a wonderful assemblyman. I went home and discussed that with my wife, and uh, we kicked it around. And, and uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm always I'm always looking for for uh, better ways to um, govern our community as supervisor. And uh, we came to the conclusion that uh, maybe if I got into Albany, we would get some fresh ideas down there. Uh, I'm a small businessman, as is my wife. We have a good business together. Um, so I thought that uh, change is the reason that uh, I am. I am running, and uh, the way that the, the state is being governed now um, is not conducive to small business staying here. It's not conducive to our residents staying here. It's, um, it's a shame that the governor blames it on the weather. Um, I was looking at the thruway last week when uh, we had 50-degree days, and I didn't see any U-Hauls coming in. So um, that's the reason that, that uh, I am here in the race. And uh, when he announced that he was uh, not running again, um, I discussed it with my wife and family again and, and decided that, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do this, and I'm ready to help upstate. What has been the feedback so far from uh, the voters that you have got the opportunity to talk to? What, what kind of things have they been bringing to your attention, and, and sort of what's been the, the consensus so far? Well, if you go back to uh, when I was first approached by Brian, the issues have changed. The issues have changed greatly. Um, you know, back back then it was uh, when we had control of the Senate, um, the Second Amendment wasn't being discussed like it is today. Uh, I hear there's six, six uh, different uh, issues in the budget uh, that he has uh, that, that uh, reflect the Second Amendment rights or the infringement upon our Second rights, uh, Amendment rights. Um, but moreover, lately, it's, uh, the big hot topic right now is naturally bail reform. And um, I disagree with the policy. And uh, moreover, I think that, that bail reform is bad but uh, discovery is worse. And the problem with discovery is we're not going to have uh, people that are willing to step forward and be witnesses anymore. We're not going to have uh, the, the, the comfort of knowing that um, 
people are worried about our protection and they're, and they're willing to step up and do something about it because within 15 days, whoever that defendant is, male, female, whatever they did, they have, they have that information and could go back and interview that, that particular person. So um, discovery, I think, is, is, uh, is much, much uh, more of a problem than, than bail reform. But uh, neither one are, are, are good for our economy and the safety of our citizens here in, uh, in the 131st. And, and given your role, uh, obviously, on the Board of Supervisors in Ontario County, um, has discovery been the more difficult one administ- on the administrative side to navigate um, for the county in, in terms of not only, I guess, sort of physical administration, but then also sort of the cost side of it, too, because it seems like for a lot of counties throughout the region, there's been a lot of unexpected, I guess, or, or unintended costs that have come along with it. That's true. And uh, another mandate, another unfunded mandate. They just keep slamming us with them. Um, it's killing our budget. We have to uh, put extra man hours on every single case now. Uh, we have to look at it two and three different ways. The problem uh, is we didn't have that in our budget. We constructed our budget last constructed our budget last year and uh, passed it, and, and uh, these, these mandates come down, and, and uh, we have no control over that. So we have to shift funding. We have to take, we have to take uh, funding from, from services that we need to provide to our residents and, and, and put it into this new program, and um, the resources aren't there right now. And I don't know if we'll be reimbursed. We don't know if that's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tying up our, our court system. It's tying up our, our uh, police force. Uh, all our police forces, and uh, it's tying up our, our courts, even our small courts. We had the, in the town of Manchester, I mean, we have the throughway, so we're, we're one of the busier courts in Ontario County, right. but our postage uh, is, is, is skyrocketing just because of the, the notifications that we have to send out, and we're, our, our clerks are, are putting in extra hours, and uh, it's, it's become a nightmare. It is, is one of the frustrations, take the, take the politics, if you could, out of it, is one of the frustrations with Albany... Uh, that there seems to be a lack of financial consideration for a lot of the the bills and the laws that are ultimately adopted. They might sound good to certain folks in the political spectrum, depending on where you fall, but the the cost analysis, it seems from the outside, it seems to be lacking. Is that one of the big frustrations? That's the number one frustration. And the number two frustration is when they, when they, they, when they construct these bills and when they, and when they put these into law, they're not inviting the sheriff's association in. They're not talking to to local law enforcement. Um, the same thing with the, with the farm bill. Um, they, they, there was no farmers in that room. Um, they're constructing all this legislation based upon hearsay, and they have actually no experience. Some of these people at all, mm-hmm. uh, and they're affecting our lives drastically. And um, that's got to stop. When when bills come before the assembly and the senate, um, I would expect that they would have the proper organizations and the proper uh, representatives from that sector be part of those those discussions because uh, quite frankly it really hurts when when uh, they pass bills and and uh, they don't have the the knowledge to know what's going to happen after that bill's passed uh, six or eight or ten months down the road upstate downstate obviously one of the bigger talking points and one of the bigger challenges though that a lot of folks upstate feel um, in terms of representation uh, if you go to Albany uh, how would you work with not just folks within the Republican conference, but also uh, Democrats to see that this region, the 131st, uh, within the Finger Lakes, is represented in Albany? That's a good question, and one I've been thinking very, very hard on. Um, I have a philosophy for that, and I have a plan. 
upstate, downstate, uh, there's, there's been a, a, a riff uh, like the Hatfields and the McCoys for a long time now. And fueling that is not helping our situation at all. We need to go down there with an open mind. There's 150 seats that are being voted on for the assembly in November. If you take 15% of those seats, that uh, has changed. I'm not talking about Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Republican. I'm talking about a change in the seat with a new face. Mm -hmm. You're looking at 23 different, 24, 25 different freshman assembly people that are going to be showing up in Albany in January. That's, that's a big number. Mm -hmm. I plan, when I go down there, to meet with those folks, invite them to upstate, bring them up here and show them our way of life, take them to the farms, take them to the gun clubs, take them out in society and show them that this is how we live in upstate New York. These are our values. This is what we cherish. And I expect them, on the same term, when I invite them up here, I expect to invite, be invited down to the Bronx and, and, and Manhattan or wherever they reside so I can get a feel for what they need down there because I don't believe that's happening right now. We're governing from the far right and the far left, and it's not working. It can't work. We need to come to the middle. And, and we can do that. I think over the next couple elections, if, if people take the same philosophy that I'm taking, we can come together. You walk out your door and go next door, and if you're a Republican or a Democrat, and you go next door and there's a Republican or a Democrat, maybe the opposite uh, um, uh, party that you represent, you get along. You yeah. get along with your neighbors, and that's what we need to do. What about the uh, rural versus urban sort of split and challenge because we even see it here in the Finger Lakes, right? Like there is a lot of focus on economic development in and around Rochester and, and a lot of the Finger Lakes success stories in terms of economic development. Once you get outside of the Seneca Falls and the Genevas who have won DRI funds, um, you you start to see a lot of tilt toward uh, Rochester. And, and yesterday I had a, a conversation on the show with Vinny Esposito um, and he said, you know, uh, there is a lot of frustration with that, but that's the way the system is set up. So how would you sort of not only navigate that system, but also find better ways for the rural parts of the region to be represented in Albany, especially when it comes to some of these sort of um, bigger ticket items like DRI and making sure that small communities are heard when it comes to those ever important dollars? Well, first of all, um, the big cities are run by the Democrats. And that's where the money's coming from. Um, it's very difficult for the minority party to garner funds to bring back to our districts. But moreover, the game that the governor plays with his, uh, his, his initiatives for his contests and where the money goes, that kind of stuff has got to stop. Because those games that are played, they're not being uh, fair to the small communities outside of, of uh, the big cities. Outside of, now, what's a big city? Rochester, yeah. Syracuse, yeah. Buffalo, the Buffalo Million, all that comes to mind. And you look at the debacles that, that have happened with those projects that, that, that uh, were sponsored by the big contest. That big contest has got to stop, and it's got to be judged upon the merits and, and the uh, effects of the community. What's going to happen if, if, if uh, Seneca Falls uh, has this new business come to town and they're going to they're gonna employ uh, eight 900 people? I mean, it's not a game. It's, 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 it's real life, and it needs to be treated as real life, and they need to understand that down there. And when we go down to, to Albany from upstate, we need to put the pressure on them and say, look, it, our communities aren't surviving the way they should be. They're not growing the way they should be, and we need this help. When you look at all of the issues that are facing, and I'll use Manchester as an example, um, I would imagine, much like a lot of other communities its size, infrastructure is a challenge is an issue. Where do you come up with the money? How do you, you know, disperse the funds so that 
you know, you can make sure water, sewer, roads, all of the things that you have operating in the town are, are operating successfully. How does that need to be a, a loud, vocal priority in Albany, especially for these, these rural communities in upstate New York that are, um, you know, 100 plus years old in a lot of cases, infrastructure just sitting, you know, 10, 12 feet beneath the earth that have, that's been here, you know, longer than most, most people have? That's, a, that's probably the number one issue we have in Manchester. We're an old, uh, we're an old town. Yeah. We've got a bridge on Water Street that I've been, I've been applying for grants for for the last four years. Um, if I can't get grant money, I'm going to have to bond it. Yeah. And if I bond it, it's a burden on my taxpayers. I don't want to do that. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a huge challenge to get the money to, uh, to take care of our infrastructure and our roads. Um, when these in, in Manchester, when when uh, we need to do road work, I mean we're a small community. We only we only we only tax our folks uh, a little over five hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. How far does that go on on uh, road reconstruction? It doesn't. So we need help, and we're not getting it. And and um, it's a it's a huge problem. Uh, I was at the uh, uh, luncheon last week for the supervisors association in Bloomfield. I talked to those guys about it. They're having the same problems in every town, every village, and. Um, we need to we need to figure out how we can get more money upstate uh, to fix our roads and bridges. Now those guys are are down in Albany today. As a matter of fact, uh, contingency went down to uh, um, talk to our representatives down there about chips money, which uh, chips money has has been flat for for years and years and years. But um, our taxes haven't been flat, but the chips money has been flat. And without infrastructure, it's t- it's totally different upstate because um, you can't go out of your house and jump on the subway. You get out of your house and you get in an automobile and you go to work and you you go to the store and and when you recreate that's how you do it and and commerce moves by uh, most of our commerce moves by eighteen uh, wheeler trucks up here and and small delivery trucks and um, the infrastructure our roads and bridges are are not good uh, I've got a water district in in Port Gibson it's seventy years old I'm going to need some help replacing those lines and and uh, we're, we just started working on a grant for that so. It's very difficult uh, to get the grants. It's very difficult um, to juggle your budget so that you can take care of the infrastructure because a healthy community is what you want, and infrastructure is your guide to a healthy community. So it's difficult. Is there an extra sort of added frustration then when, when you're facing and dealing with those kinds of issues and challenges and you hear uh, the governor talk about you know, something like high-speed rail um, as opposed to sort of the the crucial infrastructure that a lot of the communities in upstate are are either lacking or you know are going to be lacking because it can't operate you know in current speed for you know another twenty thirty years. That's there's a lot of truth to that, and and I don't understand why we would want to take our resources and put it into high speed rail. The benefit to the to the entire state is minimal with high speed rail. The benefit to the entire state to put the money back into roads and bridges, water, sewer, that main infrastructure is going to make us healthy and allow us to grow in, in the next 10 or 20 years and catch up with the rest of the country. Because quite frankly, we're falling behind right now with our current policies and they need to change. When it comes to policy, uh, you mentioned that you are obviously you've been a small business owner um, for, for some time. What are some of the things from your perspective that could sort of be unchained so that small business owners throughout the, the 131st could really 
start running full speed? What what would be some of the changes that you'd like to see that would would give those those folks the opportunity to do more with what they have as opposed to just struggling to get by on a on a daily, weekly, monthly? Well, the, myself, um, my wife and I run our small business, so employees are not a, a major factor. Most small businesses, uh, employees are a major factor, and there are several uh, roadblocks for those small businesses and employees um, that that keep them from growing. Uh, number one is is uh, um, the family leave. The family leave was uh, was um, was passed, and and it, and it 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 hurt small business. Um, is it a good thing? Uh, I, I think maybe it, it could be. Um, in the time off, uh, the new the new laws about uh, um, giving people having a mandate to give people time off uh, is it kills small business because if that if that small business has five or six employees, you take you take one employee out of the mix, you're talking about twenty percent of the workforce. I mean, how do they how do they continue to be profitable if, if at any given time twenty percent of the workforce is gone? It makes it makes no sense. Um, we need to incentivize, not decentivize, small business to grow. Um, and on the federal level, um, back when uh, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act came in, um, I, I'm in, in sales. I call in machine shops, and 80% of the machine shop, 90% of the machine shops I call on are small business. Mm-hmm. And those guys are telling me, well, I'm at, I'm at 45 employees, and I, I, I'm growing, but if I go over 50, this Affordable Health Care Affordable Care Act is going to cost me because I've got to I've got to I'm mandated to give them all insurance then, so it's it's the it's the mandates that that the federal government and the state put on these small businesses um, and the red tape that it's it's just it's got to go, it's got to be reduced in order for them to to incentivize them to hire more people. What about the the taxes and tax incentives? Are they misdirected in terms of where they're going instead of? One of the philosophies that I've heard pretty regularly from certain folks in, in this line of work, they've said, you know, instead of giving the breaks to the, the larger corporations, give them to the small businesses and give them the freedom to be able to start growing. And eventually they'll be able to, you know, contribute what the large players are now. Is that one of the philosophies that you'd like to see change? Maybe not just in terms of mandates, but sort of start to peel back the the uh, never-ending list of taxes and, and you know regulation that a lot of these folks have to deal with. Uh, incentives are a hot topic, and uh, you're either on the left or the right on that topic. It's either yes or no. Uh, being on the board of directors of the IDA, uh, I'm in I'm in the trenches looking at this stuff every single week. Um, I can tell you that in Ontario County, I'm not speaking for any other county. I'm speaking for Ontario County because that's the uh, organization that I belong to. Um, if you look at the tax uh, incentives and pilots that we've issued and not issued, um, the, the ones that not, are not issued, they don't make they don't make the newspaper. The ones that that are issued make the newspaper. We turn down we turn down uh, business uh, all the time. Uh, the latest was, was is a car wash. I mean, it doesn't fit our mold. Um, they're going to pl- employ four or five, six people, maybe. Um, that, that type of, of uh, incentive does not fit our mold. Um, we have businesses that we have given pilots to. Uh, have we been burned a couple times? Yeah. 95% of our businesses all conform to how many employees uh, that they intend on hiring in the future. Um, and I can tell you that um, our employment rate, if you look at the jobs promised by those companies and the jobs that are actually uh, created by those companies, 
the jobs that, that uh, I'm going by memory here. I don't have the, the, the statistics right. in front of me, yeah. but I'm telling you, I know that it was 1,440 jobs created uh, in, in the period of uh, five years that the report that we look at, and uh, there was uh, 400 and it was either 400 and change, yeah. upper 400s that were promised. So these, these programs do and can work. And a lot of those were for small businesses. And through the IDA, we do give, we do give credit to uh, workforce development so that uh, the employees can train their employers. Uh, employers can train their employees. Uh, and we, we pay half the salary for that program. Um, it works great, especially in the skilled trades, high-tech industries. Uh, they take advantage of that. Personally, um, look at my voting record. Uh, the last two large projects that were in Canandaigua through the IDA, uh, I, I, I canvassed my, my constituents. I am elected to represent my constituents. I canvassed my constituents, whether it be a town hall, whether it be Bliss's Grocery Store in, in Shortsville, uh, social media. When I'm out, I'm asking people, what do you think of this? What do you think of this project? How do you want me to vote on this? And it was, it was clear to me, the last two projects that came through the IDA, they didn't support, and, and I didn't support them either. I'm the, I'm the lone vote, no vote on both of them, yeah. but I'm representing my constituents and their needs and their wants. They didn't want to see that. So um, there is a place for it, and it can be used very successfully, and we do that in Ontario County. We've got a great track record. Um, but there are certain projects that uh, I don't believe need to be incentivized, um, and both of those happen to be large corporations. But uh, I voted no on those, and, and uh, we'll continue to, to do that and, and represent my constituents in that manner. So on staying on the economic development front for a minute, um, obviously one of the bigger headlines in the last couple of months has been obviously uh, Cherry Bundy's decision to exit the district um, and exit the state as it would be. Uh, concerns you have with a, a company like that, which seem to be sort of the, the poster child for successful economic development efforts um, here in the Finger Lakes, Concerns you have with a company like that saying, hey, look, the pressures in New York State are just too great, got to go, and having to make that decision despite the state's and economic developers, it seems, best efforts to make sure that they were, you know, given the supports they needed throughout their, you know, growth cycle so that they could function in New York State. Well, uh, it's funny you mention that because uh, Cherry Bundy is the poster child. And uh, the IDA in, in Ontario County uh, helped incubate that company. And uh, they spent time in the tech farm, uh, and they outgrew the tech farm. And uh, we helped find them uh, another place, which was in Ontario County, in Geneva, the old Tops building. And uh, we didn't hear anything for a long time about, about their troubles. Um, they're having a hard time with, uh, with crops. Uh, there's not a lot of cherries growing here in New York anymore, and, and where they're we're relocating to is, is, uh, is a huge cherry producer. So let's go back to infrastructure and, and cost for, uh, for them to, to transport that product in order to make their juice. Um, that's a problem. Uh, another problem is taxes and, and, and uh, red tape and, and employees. I mean, they grew that company exponentially and were very successful. And uh, they've got some great customers and clients out there, including uh, professional athletes and sports. But the fact of the matter is they can no longer afford to do business here in New York and be profitable. Um, is that all because of New York red tape? No, that's a big part of it, probably the biggest part of it. But another part of it was their logistics and their transportation. Fortunately for us, the bright side of the whole Cherry Bundy situation is uh, they're keeping corporate uh, in Geneva for, the, for now uh, in that building, and uh, they're going to sublease that building out uh, hopefully to some other business that uh, will garner us 
uh, more employees and tax tax dollars and and uh, keep us healthy in uh, in Ontario County. Um, transportation, that's probably the most connected issue in terms of what we hear from the different stakeholders who we have on the show. Um, do do you have concerns with the difficulty or the distance? that exists between some of the communities in this district and and the challenges that are that's you know that are either directly or indirectly posed on families uh, seniors whatever the group may be um, because of that transportation issue obviously we're probably never going to see a really strong public transportation system in the 131st but what do you think albany could do to sort of help the process along so that these communities can have something maybe a little better than than what we have now well it all it all boils down to, to, to funding uh, we had uh, we had our own uh, transportation system in uh, Ontario County and it became it became uh, it, it came to the point where we couldn't afford to do it anymore so uh, we partnered with RTS um, if you think about it and uh, you know everybody talks about the golden years and and uh, you know um, as my 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 dad uh, used to say, when you get into your golden years, you become dependent on uh, on your on your family and your friends. Because in upstate New York, here in 131st, um, how do you get to the, to the doctor? How do you get to the hospital? How do you get to the grocery store, the post office, the bank? Um, you know, folks in their in their 70s and 80s, a lot of them don't care about. Uh, the computer and 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 uh, doing their banking on the computer and and uh, they don't believe in it. They want the check in their hand. They want to go to the bank and and I respect that to the end. And once you lose your ability to drive an automobile, you lose your freedom. Your freedom's gone. So we need to find a way to get those folks to the doctor, to the bank. Um, right now, it, it seems to be falling on the backs of the of the local uh, organizations that do it for free. Right. Um, and, and that, that can't that can't sustain itself. So we do need to go to Albany and talk about that issue, and we need to go down there and ask them for funding for that. Because, uh, quite frankly, in here in upstate New York, if, if you're if you're limited to your uh, transportation with an automobile, um, and, and that, then it becomes a, a, can become a mental health issue for those folks mm-hmm. because they feel shut in, they can't get out, they can't socialize, and uh, it, it's it's just not a not a good situation. It needs to be addressed for sure. Does is is that part of it, and you mentioned something that, that is pretty, uh, I, I try to talk about it as much as I can on this show, um, the, the graying of some of the communities uh, in the Finger Lakes, especially some of the more rural ones. Um, there isn't an influx of, at least not one, that we've, we've heard sort of stories anecdotally, um, but there, there isn't any data that shows that you know, we're seeing an influx of, of young people of 20 and 30-somethings moving into these communities, other than a couple exceptions. Obviously, in Ontario County, there are some great exceptions. Um, but, but by and large, across upstate New York, that's not the case. So when it comes to the, the sort of aging half of it, and I realize this is probably part housing problem, part education problem, and, and how we retain folks, um, what, what are your thoughts there in terms of what kind of problem that poses for you as a as a representative or a potential representative heading to Albany? Well, uh, you mentioned Ontario County being um, uh, the exception, and we are, and we're fortunate. But we're not the exception by mistake. We work extremely hard at that. And 
we, we collaborate with local school systems. We collaborate with builders. We collaborate with, with, uh, with industry. Uh, we do everything we can to make Ontario County um, a county that's looked up to. And that goes right back to the Board of Supervisors. When you sit at the Board of Supervisors meeting, we have a round table. I defy anybody in that room to tell me who's an independent, who's a Republican, and who's a Democrat. Because we get together and we govern. We govern for our citizens in Ontario County. And because of that, I think the collaborative effort between county and, and, and village and town um, is extraordinary. So we're all working together to strive to make it an attractive place for, for young people to come, for young people to stay, which is just as important because we have people raising families here. Their kids graduate from college or going to a trade school, and they're gone yeah. because of the, the economic climate here in New York. So we are trying to, and we do, I think we do a good job of it, garner the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, relationships that we have. Now, if I can represent the whole 131st, I know those practices. I know them inside and out. I'm happy to share everything that we do with the rest of my district in the 131st. And, and I think, I'm sure, that we can make a difference. Just, just getting together, talking about it, strategizing, and, and looking at what we need for the future in this community. What does Seneca Falls need in the next five or six or seven or eight years? How about Waterloo? What's going on down there? Let's get our finger on the pulse and find out how we can attract the younger generation to come to New York. I mean, our, our, our area is absolutely gorgeous. You drive the lakes and, and, and the waterfalls and the parks uh, in, in our area. We're second to none in the country. That's a huge, huge uh, attractant for, for young people and middle-aged people. And the people that have stayed here enjoy that so much. So I think if we have a collabor collaborative effort and our local governments and schools and education systems, uh, despite what, what they do in Albany to us up here, um, we can attract people to this area. And my last question for you, folks who might want to learn more about your campaign, more about where you are on the issues, uh, where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? They can call me anytime at, uh, at, at uh, the numbers listed on my Facebook page, Gallahan for Assembly. And uh, I am open to go anywhere, talk to anybody. Um, I've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, county or, uh, town and, and town committees uh, that I will be visiting in the next uh, couple of weeks to talk to all the constituents that are out there and, and uh, let them know, the ones that don't know me, who I am, what I stand for. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's an open book. I'm an open book, and, and uh, I have a philosophy in, in, my, in my governing at the town. Somebody calls me with a complaint. I answer the complaint on the phone, but I ask them, where do you live? I want to come to your house, and let's talk about this. Yeah. Because there's nothing better than face-to-face. -face. And um, that's my philosophy in, in governing. I want to be out there. I want to be in front of the people, with the people, and for the people. And uh, that, that's, that's how I govern. Jeff, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us this hour on Inside the FLX. I'm Josh Durso, and we'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, download the FingerLakes1.com app to have the latest local breaking news, alerts, and podcasts delivered right to your hand each and every day. Follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can support us, head over to Patreon.com slash FL1 to pledge monthly support. If you have an idea for a show or simply want to let your voice be heard, drop us an email or leave us a voice message by visiting InsideTheFLX.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.